Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and today's guest is Dan Davis, the Director of IoT and Emerging Markets at LexisNexis Risk Solutions. He joins us today to talk a little bit about the intersection of IoT and the insurance industry. We talk about how IoT and insurance companies can work together, what consumers think of these new applications, and where they stand to benefit, and some of the biggest challenges facing IoT in massive, well-established industries like insurance. Insurance. To give you a little insight into LexisNexis' risk solutions, um, they harness the power of data and advanced analytics to provide insights that help businesses and government entities reduce risk, improve decisions to benefit people around the globe. This was a really interesting conversation. Um, going into it, I wasn't really sure um, how detailed we were going to get and kind of what the overall value was going to be. I knew there'd be value, just wasn't sure what it was. Um, but when, we t- when he talks a lot about the insurance industry, how IoT is kind of influencing that, the different kinds of ways um, we can be thinking about insurance, the way as consumers we can be using or utilizing our relationship with our insurance companies to uh, make sure we're doing everything we can to protect ourselves. I thought it was very interesting, very insightful, um, and I definitely think this is worth a listen for you all. Um, So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Dan Davis of LexisNexis. Welcome, Dan, to the IoT for All show. How's your week going so far? Good, Ryan. Thanks. We've got a, a sunny day in Atlanta, which we don't get much mm-hmm. of in the winter these days. So we're going to enjoy it. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, I have family who lives north of Atlanta and um, seems like they've been enjoying the weather lately. Um, they're big outdoorsy kind of people, so they seem yeah. to enjoy it. Yeah, that's nice. You know, um, we get a little teased. I, I, whenever the calendar starts to turn to March, my brain begins to think it's spring, but we sure. still have a good uh, two, three, four weeks before warm weather hits. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah we've had really unique weather. Like we'll have 30 degrees one day and then 60 the next. Yeah. So it's just, it's hard to plan from a wardrobe standpoint. That's you know, trying right. to have all your clothes ready. Can't that's do right. it. Um, well, yeah, no, I'm very happy to have you on the show. Um, I think you know what we're going to talk about today and talk about your company is is a unique kind of conversation that we don't have very often. So I'm excited for that. Um, so, but before we start, I think it'd be great if you could just introduce yourself to our audience, give a little background, kind of insights into who you are, kind of how you got into this space, anything you think that's important for them to hear. Sure, and and thank you, Ryan, for inviting us. We're super excited about um, some of the things that we're learning and building towards for IOT and insurance. Um, so I'm director of IOT and emerging markets for LexisNexis risk. Um, and so I'm directly responsible for creating the IOT strategy, um, for our business and in support of our customers, which are insurance companies. And for me specifically, that means a strategy around how we, um, how we include smart home data and technology within uh, carrier workflows around home insurance. And eventually that will hold true for wearables and biometrics and, and our life insurance vertical, as well as our, our commercial business. We kind of have two IoT businesses at LexisNexis. One is our connected car, what we, I guess, used to call auto telematics business. That's a really fully baked business all its own. And they're executing on strategies 
um, with automakers and, and our customers. And then we have kind of all other, which is what I represent. And so I work with our, the leaders of our verticals to, to develop a strategy and, and uh, better understand what we can deliver to the market. So I've been in, I've been in the insurance space for over 20 years. I was with a carrier for about 17 and I've been with Lexus for uh, right at four years. And okay. um, yeah. And so this IOT thing is, is, it's not as new today as it once was. And so we, we have sure. to stop, we have to stop, you know, um, relying on that as sort of a crutch. And, and we're getting to a point where it's start, it's time to start thinking about what we can deliver on. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit more about that relationship you have with insurance companies. So how does, how does what you like, what is that relationship like? Kind of what role do you play for them? And mm-hmm. Um, just kind of some details around that so we can kind of create a picture for our audience to kind of understand how you play in not just the insurance space, but also now with IoT kind of being incorporated in. Yeah, that's a, that's a great place to start. Um, so if you kind of pull the lens way back, we help carriers solve two fundamental problems in the market. One is um, what I'll call user experience, and that is both the consumers and policyholders, as well as the employees at, at carriers, um, there is a lot of friction in the transaction. I don't know if you've done an insurance quote recently, but um, you, you might have experienced that. There's a lot of data that's involved in that that you either have to sure. manually enter or that the carrier goes and gets transactionally. And so um, to improve user experience, we supply data throughout the transaction so that you, the customer, don't have to go chase things like your VIN number, um, okay, or the you know square footage of your house or age of your roof. If we're talking about home insurance, so we make that process easier and faster. Um, and then in the claim space, there uh, we give data to adjusters to help them make better, faster decisions, which means faster claim settlement and better experiences uh-huh. all around. So that's one fundamental problem we solve. The other is. We, we use data and predictive analytics to help carriers make um, better underwriting decisions. And by underwriting, I mean customer selection, sure. um, rate making, discounts, anything that's really involved in um, you know, the, the price and the acquisition of customers. We help, we help insurers with across the market. And again, that's true for auto home, life and commercial. Gotcha. Okay. So you have, so insurance companies have a direct relationship with you all and they come to you for information. Um, is that, is that kind of how the relationship works? Cause I, I imagine you don't have a direct relationship with the consumer. It's more That's of right. you have the data that the insurance company is looking to be able to, to have. You got it. That, that, yeah, that's right. And, and so, um, so we don't, we're not a, a B2C business, um, right. but we're certainly attuned to, the experience that our customers, customers have. And, okay. and then when you have new data sources like um, smart home technology or just IoT in general, insurers are really interested in how it can help them understand how our risk changes over time. That's really important okay. because right now, a lot of the data that carriers are, are getting about a risk is, is just a snapshot in time. They understand what a risk mm-hmm. looks like today. Well, this data can start to tell us all 
um, how that risk, either a property or homeowner risk or an auto risk might change over time. I have a 17 year old in my house who drives. I hope his mm-hmm. driving behavior improves over time. And I would love mm-hmm. for my insurance company right. to, to know that. So that's, that's one example. Um, so, so insurers look to us to say, Hey, Lexus, um, help us understand what's number one, what's the, the, um, actuarial value of the data coming from these devices. And then what is, what, what is it, what, what from the data is important in an underwriting context? So that's, okay. that's really the puzzle I'm trying to solve with device makers and with, um, our, our customers. Now, let me ask, how has IoT kind of changed oh, kind of your space and your focus um, from the way things, I guess, used to be done for insurance companies versus how your relationship with insurance companies versus how they are, are being done now? Is it just more access to data and it's just another kind of data stream that is made available because of these smart devices, whether it's in the home or wearables or something like that? That's the idea. And a lot of this okay. is, are things that we're still building on. But I think okay. there are two, I think there are two ways that the data is going to be helpful. And we're starting to, to, to prove some of this now with some of our, our own experiments with device makers. But there, I think there are two aspects of the data that, that's going to be important to carriers. One is simply the fact that a homeowner, if we focus on, on home insurance, simply the fact that a homeowner has certain devices, um, it tells an important story about them as a risk. Um, okay. In auto telematics, we re- we've referred to that as, as self-selection bias. Um, consumers are buying IoT devices regardless of um, what their insurance company is doing today. Um, mm-hmm. And so w- what does that tell an, a carrier about that risk? So that's at a high right. level, just a, the binary inside of, yes, they have these devices and maybe when they were installed, right? That that's an, okay. th- those are important insights. And then eventually we're going to get to the underlying data that, that are coming from these devices and understand the imp- number, number one, understand what data from these devices is important and then understand how it's impacting um, loss performance and potentially customer selection and rate making over time. Gotcha. Okay. So I imagine with any type of data being used to assess risk, especially on the insurance side, it's not a, an easy thing to do. I'm sure it's, you know, it's a ever changing process, you know, making kind of hypothesis and assumptions that this piece of data means X, which then in turn is increases or decreases the risk by some percentage. Now, how with IOT being relatively new, um, is, is that kind of weighted in the decision-making process or the risk management kind of evaluation process to be able to say, we're collecting data from these new devices. Um, that's important to us and it's able to kind of in, adjust the risk level for each individual, but we need to take it with a grain of salt that it's still relatively new. So we don't have enough historical data to say, you know, are kind of our assumptions true or not. And that will just kind of come over time. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so okay. we're all, we're all waiting on some critical mass um, around this data. I mean, there's so many layers of our ability to, to tell the story of, IOT data and smart home data in an insurance context. One of those, one of those layers is consumer consent. 
we can't do anything with this data without mm-hmm. consumers um, giving us permission and giving their insurance company permission. So we've got to get really, really good at um, engaging customers in a way that they know what they're doing. They know the consent that they're providing. Um, and that's really the first hurdle in us being able to prove that this data matters. Now, we, we, we can and are doing some R&D uh, with consent, and a lot of that is anonymized. But in order for us to really, really know the, the impact and be able to, to model against this, it's going to take time and okay. it's going to take really big platforms and really big device makers to say, you know what, um, there is, uh, we acknowledge that consumers need and want um, to bring their smart home data into the insurance experience and, sure. and then that get unlocked. There's plenty that we can do while we're building that scale. Um, and, and we've already, we've already begun doing that. We have a loss history database that covers 97% of the insurance market. And Mm -hmm. so when we get data from platforms, carriers, and device makers, we can pretty quickly start to see either what story might be emerging about, um, the loss performance of a customer that Mm -hmm. has, these devices and what the data might be saying. But again, to, to build, you know, some really critical mass, it's going to take some time. So we're, we're at the kind of bleeding edge of being able to tell that story, but we've got good progress. So is the responsibility more on your guys side to be able to, um, collect that critical mass and interpret the value of the data and the insurance companies more or less kind of pay for access to it and then can make their own assumptions on top of that. So they don't really worry about collecting the data themselves. It's more of like paying you guys to, to paying you for access to what the work you're putting in to collect that data and kind of at least give it initial interpretation. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, um, we're, we're making that our responsibility in part okay. because we've built our, our, entire insurance practice on doing just that, plugging into ecosystems of data, whether it be public records or, uh, you know, court records or um, databases across, um, you know, across the country and, um, and then bringing it into our infrastructure and normalizing all of this unstructured data and then delivering it back to carriers. So if, if, if you put yourself in a carrier's shoes, it's a pretty daunting task to think that they can go to each device maker or each platform and do all the technical work and then all of the actuarial studies that's needed to really deliver kind of a meaningful experience to their customers. And so right. w- that's that's what we do. We do it well. And so um, that's what we ex- how we expect to deliver value to our customers is sit between them right. and the ecosystem We've already yeah. got, we already have connections to, to our customers. So a lot of times they say, Hey, a new insight is great. I want you to deliver that new insight through an existing product platform that I'm ordering okay. on today. So that's, that's, gotcha. that's our vision of how we, how that kind of tr- transaction is executed. So from a consumer standpoint, what's the benefit of opting in to this data being collected? Or like if you're dealing with your carrier on the insurance side, opting in for this to be a part of your plan. And one of the reasons I ask is we were having this discussion the other day while we were going to lunch. Um, a lot of insurance companies now are asking for you to opt in to monitor your um, driving, um, mm-hmm. to be able to mm-hmm. monitor how fast you're going, your driving behavior and patterns to lower your premium. And I wasn't sure 
if that also worked in reverse, where if you are driving fast where you shouldn't be, or somehow you can collect data and say they're not a good driver, do you increase the premiums? Because the people I was talking with are basically like, I'm not giving access to that because I want to be able to drive the way I want to drive and not feel like my insurance company is looking over my shoulder and going to, you know, critique me through an increase in premium. <laughs> but I, so I wasn't sure how that works. Right. And so from, from your side, what is the value for a consumer to opt into this data collection um, for, you know, through their insurance company? Yeah, I guess I would answer that in two ways. Um, and, and I may, I guess I'll, I'll answer it through the lens of a consumer and sure. through the lens of, of someone who's in the business. Um, so the way carriers are looking at it today, and this, this will evolve over time. And this is true in auto telematics as well as, um, I, you know, smart home telematics is that there is a, there's a really meaningful engagement opportunity between the insurer and the consumer. Um, and engagement for auto might be, Hey, here are some, here are some things that you can do to improve your driving score, which might lead to, to savings on your insurance premium. Every, every carrier has a different strategy around this. So I don't want to paint it with a broad brush. So, so there's that aspect. And I think that that holds true in smart home. Um, maybe it's home health and safety. And, you know, did you change your filter, um, you know, this month? Uh, you think about all right. of the insights that you as a consumer might get. Um, potential saving offers of savings from your carrier. And that's really one of the things that we uncovered through our consumer study is the market has been saying, we think these are platforms that we can use to engage our customers in new and interesting ways. We kind of went out to prove that. And we did hear back from the market that, sure, I, I wouldn't mind hearing from my insurer through, the, through my, these platforms, but it needs to be something that's meaningful to me. Meaning, what can I save money on? Is, right. there, is there something in my insurance that I'm missing that, that might save me money or improve my position? Or is there something about my home that I don't know that you can tell me and help me with? So, so that's okay. one. The other, the other aspect, so that's the engagement piece. The other aspect is we talk a lot about um, device makers monetizing their data in, in the insurance space. But I'm a consumer of the, I have sensors all over my house. I would love to monetize that data and, and it's my data. And so sure. I, would love, I, I would love for my insurance carrier to give me a way to save some money by plugging my data in. Now I'm, I'm close to the fire. So I, I, I kind of see all that. Um, but I think that would be the, the incentive for the consumer. And of course I'm not sharing it for nothing. I want a discount. I want a savings on my deductible. Tell me what's in it for me. Yep. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's something that's, uh, you know, as we connect our, individual person in our lives even more through these devices. I think it's going to be a very interesting kind of dynamic to watch if more people are opting in. I think as the generations are, are the current younger generations are getting older, we're, we're very much more, I don't want to say careless, cuts the wrong word, but we, we don't care as much <laughs> about our data being collected. We've kind of always been in a world where we have to give access if we want the full benefit of something where our, like my parents' generation, it's a, they're way more protective over their data um, right. and their information and their privacy. Right. So um, I think it'll be very interesting to kind of see how this transforms over the years as the younger generation becomes more of the, the, um, 
the market for for insurance companies and then these devices and being able to uh, supply data for you guys to uh, kind of go through, interpret, collect, and insurance companies to use to adjust to adjust premiums until an insurance company decides to somehow raise someone's premium because of this access to data. And then I think people are going to start to have a problem because they obviously want something for it as a consumer, like you just said. So that, um, That's true. And I think what we lack now and what we're building towards is is a really clear and compelling value proposition. Mm-hmm. And without, without that, um, we can't assume anyone is going to give ongoing consent to do anything with their data. Sure. And so, so we've, we've got to get really, really good at defining what's in it for the customer. And like I said earlier, we have to get really, really good at consent management and, mm-hmm. and uh, we're building a consent management platform that, that device makers can rely on, that insurers can rely on. And that's, that's easy to manage as well. So we're, we're not just approaching this from a, um, data end standpoint, we want to make sure that, that we help the ecosystem manage that gate as well, okay. because that's going to evolve. And so we've got to, we've got to help our customers prepare for that evolution and, right. and help their customers. So I want to shift focus a little bit and talk about, um, a consumer study, just have a discussion around the consumer study you all put out. Um, it seemed like the focus of that study was around consumer attitudes and willingness to share data and participate in smart home insurance programs. So we've already kind of alluded to what these are, um, at least at a high level. But if you give a little bit more detail into what a smart home insurance program actually is, um, and then from that report or study, what you kind of found regarding consumer attitudes and willingness to kind of share that data and participate in these programs. Sure. So I I think a smart home insurance program that is going to be defined differently by every carrier. Um, For for years, companies have been asking their policyholders if they have um, an alarm system, a monitored alarm system. And in return for a yes and maybe validation through a certificate, that insurance company then gives them a discount for having that okay. alarm system. You may have that in for your own insurance policy. Um, I, uh, a smart home insurance program initially is looking the same way as, as that. In fact, we see three, four dozen carriers in the market today that are asking about the presence of smart home devices such as thermostats and water okay. leak systems and sensors. And in return, there is a discount provided for that. Now, gotcha. the discount's a bit diluted because it's hard for the carrier to validate the the presence of, the, of, a, of a Nest thermostat, for example. And um, so that's, a, that's one place that we think we can help, but that's, the, that's an example of a program in exchange for you telling me something about your smart home, you can get a discount. Over time, that probably looks like better segmentation, actual rates that follow, and maybe a more precise discount. Okay. And so we wanted to say, when we get to that point of carriers going to customers, going to their policyholders and saying, will you share your data for the following incentive. What is consumers' attitudes around sharing their data? And we learned that 78% of consumers are fine to share data as long as there's some sort of incentive tied to it. Sure. So that's um, that was encouraging in part because every time a, a, a data company is in the news, it, it has a way of massaging consumer attitudes. So sure. I, we were encouraged by that number. Um, and then we also wanted to know about the, the engagement aspect. 
do consumers want to hear from their insurance company through these platforms? Um, or are we all being sort of naive that our, that customers want to hear from their carrier? Right. 70% of those who responded to the survey said they would be willing to, to hear from their carrier if there's something that uh, that's sort of in it for them, a savings or mm-hmm. an offer to kind of improve their position with their carrier or something about their home they didn't already know. Um, we also learned things like why consumers are buying devices. And this really just validated our hunch. 47% of consumers said that they're buying smart home around security and entertainment and and energy management. Okay. And so that's an important data point when you think about where an insurance company is going to focus their time and attention um, in, especially in engagement, they have to kind of know why consumers are buying these things. Right. Right. Has, was there any kind of split or difference in data based on age group um, from, you know, from a demographic standpoint that is kind of interesting from your end? Yeah. And intuitively, um, we learned what you might think, and that is that um, the younger demographic are early adopters and more willing to share data, more willing to even um, purchase a device that they don't already own if their insurance company is willing to give an incentive for that. And the older the demographic, the less willing to share and, and participate. And the older the demographic, the fewer devices they own. And so we're, Okay. We're, we're not exclusively speaking to a younger audience, which, as you sure. said earlier, is getting older every day. Um, but that's that's certainly where it seems to be resonating. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, you know, that should be very promising um, to see from your end and the insurance company's ends. Because if you're seeing a larger trend in the willingness to share data and the willingness to purchase products to get an incentive from younger generations, as those younger generations get up, grow up, they are going to make up more of the population that owns homes and has insurance. So you'll probably see a big wave of that over the years. So I'm sure that's a very promising data, or that's very promising data for you all to see um, through this study. It is. You're right. Uh, um, it's really encouraging on a lot of fronts. The reality, too, though, is that young consumers get older and yep. a little wiser and a little more thoughtful about what's happening with their data. So we we shouldn't be so arrogant to think that, um, you know, uh, a, a millennial buyer today is going to be any less or more or less discerning when they, you know, reach their forties. So, um, you know, you still got to be really, really good at the engagement and the consent management aspect, um, of all of this, just as, as awareness grows and improves and changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So outside of that kind of point, what other um, findings did you guys have come out of the, the study that you are, you consider highlights or, or kind of big takeaways, anything? Yeah. You know, one of the big ones, I think maybe I touched on it is, um, that 57% of the consumers that we polled said that they would be willing to purchase and install a device that they don't already own if they were given an incentive to do so. Right, right, right. So that that's really encouraging. If, if you think about an insurer wanting to maybe, um, 
hone in on a certain device or a certain um, device type mm-hmm. and a consumer's willingness to go buy it. I mean, we see there's a lot of chatter in the insurance space around water and leak mitigation devices because yep. it's a really sensitive peril Absolutely. for customers and for our customers. Um, and so when you think about the answer to that question, then it starts to get really encouraging about the willingness of a homeowner to help prevent insurance claims. Yep. And historically, you know, us consumers, because you and I are both consumers of these things, we're buying these things because they help pr- protect our families and they're cool. And yeah, so this sure. seems to be uh, a signal that maybe that can change if we start to prove the value of these things. Yeah, I'd be very curious to see how insurance companies and these consumer product or smart home product companies kind of work together on this because, you know, is there some kind of discount they can offer if insurance company X promotes company Y's smart home products because, you know, Mm -hmm. they think it's the best one. Um, And then, because that could be a really interesting channel for, um, for the companies that are building these solutions for in IoT, these smart home solutions to kind of invest time and money into is building relations with these insurance companies because they're going to be another channel for sales for them. Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. And we already see that today. There are plenty of kind of affinity discounts that a policyholder can get through their insurer for certain devices, um, especially devices that matter a whole lot to the insurer. We also see a lot of interesting trials happening in the market. This has been over the last year and a half, two years where insurance companies are partnering with device makers, um, kind of the, 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 um, the just sensor companies, um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say cheap and easy, but easy to install sensors, yep. be it motion sensor or water leak sensors, where the policyholders can go and request the sensor on their own mm-hmm. through their carrier. And um, of course, it, you know, there's a wh- kind of a white label experience with a lot of that. But um, on a trial basis, carriers are already learning a lot about what their policyholders are buying, what the uptake rates are, how to communicate with their their policyholders um, about these things, and then um, you know what's the what's the consumer behavior when they do receive these devices, right? Um, right. And um, so there's there's plenty of learning and, and partnerships, like you mentioned, already already happening. Yeah, I mean, outside of everything we've already talked about today, I think a lot of listeners to this episode are going to leave this episode and go call their insurance companies and figure out what devices can they get that can either benefit them from an insurance standpoint or do they get discounts on? Um, Because I would never have thought to go that route to explore, like if I wanted to install some smart home features in in where I live um, to go through my insurance company to see not only how does this impact um, discounts that I can receive? But also I might be able to get some of the devices I'm interested in cheaper because of the relationship the insurance company has with the company who built these solutions. Absolutely. They should. And if, if I had one piece of advice for consumers, that would be it is call your insurer and ask them if you're leaving some money on the table right, by exactly. not disclosing your your device. It's, it's a really important point. And I think the other thing is consumers should... Be re- and I'm talking to you and me here is that we should be really bullish about the idea that we own our data and we should be able to leverage it um, for savings, not mm-hmm. just in an insurance vertical, but right. um, in any that that might exist that 
you know, could find some value in my data. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I agree. Um, so one of the things we, we haven't really touched too much on is if we'd move out a little bit more on a macro level and talk about the IOT space in general and challenges that you all have seen, um, coming at it from, from your angle, from a risk management angle, from an insurance angle, what are some of the biggest challenges you've seen in the IOT space? You know, and I think we could probably relate this a little bit more to the ecosystem of device makers and different <laughs> platforms out there and so forth and how that kind of is influencing the industry from, from your eyes uh, perspective. Yeah. I mean, the, the ecosystem is growing every day. There's a new brand and a new sensor on the market every day, it seems. And so tackling that and making sense of it and getting getting our collective arms around that mm -hmm. is probably probably the biggest challenge. Um, and, um, you know, from there, I think you we're going to have the ongoing challenge of of giving the consumer a meaningful consent experience yes. to where number one, they really truly understand the value mm -hmm. that they get by sharing their data. And then they really understand that they're, they're giving consent to share it and they're happy to and right. fully understand how to manage it. So, um, you know, those, the consumer attitudes, like I said, a, a minute ago, they evolve so frequently that we've, we've got to get really good at it, but this ecosystem is, uh, and you know, some, some device makers and platforms have, um, an open architecture that, that, you know, developers can easily plug into mm -hmm. and some have it closed off. Right. And so it becomes harder for us consumers to realize the value of, of our device right. if we if it's not open to share it in yep. a meaningful way. So and right now there's there's no standard around that. And so it, it'd be nice to have that. Yeah, totally um, agree over time. Yeah. I mean, in most markets, when you're having, you know, the ecosystem grows, usually helps consumers from a cost standpoint, driving down the cost. Um, but in with IoT, it's interesting because as even though costs go down, it's there's this more choices consumers have. It, it, it sometimes causes a problem. Um, and a lot of these devices are coming from, are being white labeled from countries like China and so forth. And the, yeah, what's happening yeah. with the data is not necessarily what consumers think is happening with the data. Um, so there's a lot more precautions to kind of take into account when you're considering buying, installing some kind of, um, some, let's say smart home application or like security cameras or, or, um, thermostats or any kind of just devices in general, like obviously they want to be able to opt in. So you all can collect data and then like this whole conversation has been around, which is kind of driving back towards the insurance point. But there is other people that are interested in that data too, that they may not want their data to be kind of accessed by and yeah. a lot of these devices coming from other countries. You almost default into giving that data to them. And a lot of times consumers do not know this is happening. Um, and, um, we've talked a lot about this on the show with other security experts and talking about just the risk that consumers go through trying to de decipher between all the different devices in the market and what to stay away from, um, to be, you know, yeah. what to be cautious of when buying a device. Um, so maybe going through your insurance company or going through kind of a trusted resource to get advice on the right devices is probably the better route, even though it may not be the cheapest, just from a data um, and security standpoint. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, if you trust your insurer to, to, you know, 
safeguard your financial well-being if an accident happens then mm -hmm. this just might be one step further sure. and i agree i think in a lot of ways brand matters with these devices yeah. whether it be what's happening to my data on the back end to what is the uh, what does the maintenance look like on yep. my device and and updates and you know the, the security protocols how do those change over time and i'm right. i'm as guilty as the next guy for buying the cheap stuff and inevitably it um it finds its way in the yep. the back of the closet so yeah I, I agree i totally agree with you as well um so as we kind of wrap up here i wanted to ask you as you you know you inter you, you know internally with your team kind of talk about this upcoming year um that we're crazy to think that we're almost into march but how are things or how do you see things changing in 2020 versus 2019 like what happened in 2019 maybe that kind of is going to propel things forward in the areas of iot that matter to you and and kind of what you're doing on a daily basis at lexus nexus well what we have today that we really didn't have in 2019 or before are or is some actual evidence that there is a correlation between the presence of devices in homes and loss insurance sure. loss okay. or claims per claims performance. Okay. And these, these are, in fact, we'll, we'll go to market in March with a study, uh, with a device maker, a water device, water leak mitigation system, mm -hmm. um, that proves our hunch that these things make a difference. And these are pretty elaborate studies, but until, until this, it's really just hunch and conjecture that, yeah, if I install this device, it, it means something in terms of um, how my insurance company might evaluate me as a risk. Mm -hmm. Well, now we're actually starting to put some evidence behind it. Right. And so, um, so in March, we think it'll be the first of its kind. And then uh, we're going to do far more of this sort of uh, testing. Sure. So we're working with device makers of all shapes and sizes and types, including security, home security device makers. And um, what's, what's interesting that we're learning uh, and that we'll continue to learn more is that um, if I have a water leak sensor, let's say in my home, mm -hmm. and I have it under my kitchen sink, um, and maybe I did that because I got it for free from my insurance carrier. That that the fact that you have that is is telling us, telling the insurance market something about you as a risk for that what we call water non-weather peril, meaning your propensity to have a leak claim. But it's also telling us something about um, you as a as a risk in terms of theft and fire and weather. So there's a, what we call a bi-peril story to tell, um, even with a, uh, with a single sensor and a single home. And so we want to continue telling that story mm -hmm. and get it to scale. Right. I think as we do that, then we can, we can start actually delivering some meaningful products to consumers sure. through insurance companies. Yeah. That's absolutely what we have our sites set yeah, on. Yeah, I think I, I, mean, I agree completely. I mean, that's how the offerings that we have now came to be, right? I mean, they went through this process and they, you know, this evolution, <laughs> if you will. Um, and that's what we're kind of in now with this access to new data, these new devices and so forth. So, so the, the right. further we kind of progress throughout time, the better 
the, the information is going to be for insurance companies. And then hopefully, you know, that gets passed on to consumers like we've talked about throughout this episode. So, um, so that's fantastic. Um, the last thing I have for you is, is there anything that we haven't really touched on that you think is important to kind of maybe leave our audience with or anything we have said that you just want to reiterate? Well, I think um, I just want to reiterate one thing that I did say earlier, and, and this is probably more for the consumer audience than for the the business audience. And that is that um, when we talk about sharing data, that can be sort of a, um, a touchy or icky or sensitive um, thing to think about. Right. But um, it's really important that that there's interesting data for insurance companies that is just simply the fact that you have a device. And initially, I don't think it's going to be about the underlying data coming from devices. It's just going to be about, do you have this device? And if so, would you like to participate in an insurance program? So we think starting small means probably starting there. And I think that that should give consumers some confidence that, initially the the market isn't going to worry about the underlying data coming from your home until we can start to tell a really important story about it. Right. That's great. I really appreciate your time. I think this has been fantastic. A totally different angle than we've taken on pretty much any conversation we've had. And I think a lot of information that's going to be more directly relevant to probably every single listener where at times in the past, some of the content has been more specific towards different groups, depending on the role they play in IoT and what they're doing. But this one is one that you don't have to work in IoT to find value in. So um, so I truly appreciate your time. And I think this is a fantastic episode. Yeah, everybody has insurance, so I I I agree, I agree with you, and and uh, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. You. So I'm I'm thrilled that you invited us and gave us a forum to uh, talk about what we do. Yeah, no, this has been great. I really appreciate it. We'll have to um, have you back sometime, maybe end of this year, kind of as things evolve and your you know more data is coming in on your end. Any new discoveries and learnings that you have to, to kind of share with our audience, that'd be great. I'd love that. Count cool. me in. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the IoT for All podcast with our guest, Dan Davis of LexisNexis. I hope you found a lot of value in our conversation today. I know I did. Um, And if you did, we'd really appreciate if you would leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And make sure you subscribe to our social media or to our newsletter so you get the latest episodes as soon as they become available. Uh, Something I've mentioned in the past is if you uh, have a guest you may like to see featured on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email at ryan at iotforall.com. We'll do everything we can to get them on the show. Um, But other than that, we really appreciate your time. Thanks again for listening to the IoT for All podcast, and we'll see you next time.